What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the show one of the best 74 kg lifters in the world, Michael C., to talk about his performance at USAPL Raw Nationals, some of the unfortunate things that happened to him, including some out-of-meat testing drama, I guess, uh, suffering an injury through his meat, watching his girlfriend Jasmine Penn get robbed of a gold medal position. But we also talked about the basics, how he got his start in powerlifting, a really good conversation about the progression of the sport, staying competitive, his future in the sport, his goals for the sport, and we play word association as well. Really good interview with him. But before we get into that interview, of course, I got to talk to you guys about Rival Us. Guys, girls, visit RivalUs.net. Use promo code ANGELO15. Get 15% off of proteins, creatine, pre-workout, branching amino acids, merchandise. You name it, you put in promo code ANGELO15. You will get 15% off of your order. Also, visit 2 Visit our blog. Visit our store. Get yourself some t-shirts. Get yourself some merchandise. And I promise I'll start filling out that blog. It's been a pretty busy, like, five to six weeks. So I will hopefully get on that blog, type a little bit about, you know, just my observations of the sport in general on powerlifting. Maybe talk a little bit about Raw Nationals. Just give a broader um, blog on that. But without further ado, here's what you came to hear. Two white lights. And as promised... I got with me via FaceTime, one of the best 74 kg lifters in the US APL and IPF, holds a 732 kg total, and I'm going to say it right now, the best fucking hair in 74 kg, <laughs> Taylor Atwood, eat your heart out, I have Michael Say on the show, how you doing man? Uh, I'm doing great man, how are you? Great. And, and just don't don't feel bad. But I want to correct you. The last name is actually pronounced C. C. But don't feel bad because everybody gets it wrong. Yeah, I knew I was gonna fuck it up. You know what? I'm gonna edit that shit out and just say it anyway. <laughs> but Michael C. Michael C. is on the show, and I always and we're gonna get to some of the questions. But I saw the the polls between you and Atwood's hair. I want to as a stickler with hair myself. You have the best hair in 74kg. Hands down, I'm saying it. I'm being the final. I, I, that's the only thing I could talk about with like those totals because you guys have incredible totals, incredible Wilkes and IPF scores where you're going to IPF Worlds. But hair, I think I could be in a conversation and telling people whose hair is good and whose hair is not, and you win this one. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that somebody is giving me some recognition around here for my hair because, I mean, I, I think – I think I've been in the running for a while now, but I think it's finally starting to, to to come out. You know, I think it was pretty clear this year whose hair was better. For sure, absolutely. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. I saw the waves. I'm like, all right, that's that's. Yeah. I didn't even know you had that. I I looked. I'm like, god damn, that's a, that's a tight hairstyle. Yeah, I mean, I came in ready. Like I I 
tapered for this meeting and I peaked real nice, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, speaking of Raw Nationals, this is what people really want to know. And I just got to ask you, are you sick of hearing people telling you that they're sorry and they feel bad for you and that the week turned out poorly for you? Are you, like, at a point, do you get sick of hearing other people give you, like, their condolences for a meet that you suffered an injury through? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I always appreciate people uh, reaching out, like, giving their condolences and things like that. But my thing about it is, you know, it's it, it happened. It's done. Of course, I'm, I'm not over it necessarily. I'm not going to completely get over it, but... The thing about it is we have more meets down the road to worry about. So that one is already done. So it's on to preparing for the next one now. Like, that's that's all it's about. Yeah, and the reason why I ask, because we, I was kind of watching the 74 primetime battle. Um, I was competing the next day, so my mind wasn't really in it. Like, I was actually getting nervous watching you guys compete because I, you know, that's what happens. I see people compete, I get nervous because I know I'm about to do the same thing the next day. But I, throughout the competition, you were having a hell of a meet, and the hype in the crowd was building, like, Mike, Mike might actually do this shit. It looks good right now. Everything looks great. Had to leave. I had to go and get some sleep. Then I noticed you suffered an injury. But then when I saw you later in the week, it seemed like everyone was just going up and saying how sorry they were. And I'm like, I don't want to be the next guy to tell him that. Just congratulate him on a good meet and injuries happen in the sport so that's that's the reason why i asked yeah no for sure i mean i it, it's funny because i've been posting I, I was the only one you know how everybody hides their top sets and everything i was the only one posting his top sets his heavy singles leading up to it mm -hmm. so i mean it shouldn't have been a surprise yeah to anybody I, people saw what i was capable of mm -hmm. So, I mean, that that's kind of what it was for me. Like, a lot of people like to do the hiding, the top sets, and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm the opposite, especially this time around. I wanted to put out there, you know, this is what you're going to see on meet day. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that. You are pretty consistent with posting your best workouts on Instagram or on other social media platforms. But we have seen powerlifters post their top sets and their best heavy singles and then underperform on meet day. So there's still an element of surprise when someone executes on the platform. And I've said this on the show before, 83KG primetime. It was a good, you know, session where people were very excited to see. But I could count four or five lifters who really underperformed. They would admit they underperformed. And according to their training videos and according to their top sets, like this 740 deadlift was there in training. But then when we got to competition, only 710 was there. So, occasionally that happens, executing on the platform is hard to do, and you did it excellently in your squat and bench where, you know, the momentum was building, and then you suffered an unfortunate injury. Now, I know that you described the injury, uh, you took everyone through it on Instagram, on your story. Describe what happened for the people on Two White Lights. Okay, so, basically, um, so... Do, do you want me to go back and talk about, like, what happened leading up to it, or you want me to just describe the injury for now? Uh, you know what? Considering you had, again, a hell of a week, describe what happened leading up to the injury. Okay. 
So, uh, first of all, um, this, this this doesn't have anything to do with what happened uh, during the meet, but I just thought it, it's worth mentioning that uh, my last heavy squat single, um, the Wednesday, the last Wednesday before I trained, um, I hit 622, um, 282 and a half kilos, and it moved. Um, really well but I got a little bit overhyped for it and I completely lost my brace on the way up and I was like screaming and it completely got out of the groove with it um, but I did finish it um, but as I was racking it um, we completely missed the rack on one side and had to bail the weight and I mean thankfully I didn't completely die but <laughs> I did I did strain my lower back a little bit and also um, my wrist just from hyperextending it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, thankfully there wasn't anything, like, super serious. Um, it was gone within, like, five days or so. But then uh, two days out from Raw Nationals, um, it, for anyone that doesn't know uh, what an OMT is, it's, it stands for Outer Meat Testing. Yeah, I, I was one of those people. I saw that. I did not know what that meant. Yeah, Obviously, because yeah, I've never been tested out of meat. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not that. I'm not that good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It stands for out of meat testing, and basically, if you're on the national team, uh, for the most part, you're in a registered testing pool where you have to um, year round like keep up to date with a 60 minute window each day of the week where you can be randomly tested and obviously with random testing you can't really prepare for that or anything like that mm -hmm. um but anyway mine just so happened to fall two days out from the meet so <laughs> so um, uh, let me ask you about that they drew blood correct or yeah yeah it was, it was blood and urine which that really surprised me because i haven't done i haven't um, had blood drawn yet i thought okay I, i'm just gonna pee whatever but then they said, okay, so we're going to take your blood and urine. And I was like, huh? Yeah, and that's surprise. All right, so, and again, I'm pretty much ignorant to all drug testing, aside from the basic USAPL post-meat drug test, um, which is a urine sample. Drawing blood two meats out from a meat is surprising. And, I, and the reason why I thought about this was because I remember the uh, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather saga that was going, and... The big thing was Floyd Mayweather wanted Manny Pacquiao to draw blood. Manny Pacquiao was really against that due to the fact, like, I'm not drawing blood when I have to fight later. Like, that's a pretty insane thing to do, especially when they go through weight cuts. Um, kind of similar to the way powerlifters go through weight cuts, too. And that close to meet day, I, I don't... I don't like that at all. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, 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 I might be in the minority, but I just don't like that idea. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a fan of it either. And it's, I mean, I, I don't mind the testing at all. I mean, I think it's, it's a part of the process. Like, we're competing in a drug tested federation, so obviously, mm -hmm. you put yourself out there to get tested at any point in time. But to do it two days out, I think that was kind of questionable. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, that happens. And as I was getting tested, obviously, like I said, I couldn't prepare for it, so I hadn't eaten or, or drank anything. So as I was getting tested, I started to feel lightheaded, and 
I got up to like get some air and after I got up, not too long after I got up, I fell and busted my chin on on a um a marble floor. So I ended up having to get stitches and like my entire neck uh, so much I had so much blood on, on my neck and on my shirt, um, from the little spot on my chin. So it, I mean it looked like something bad had happened. <laughs> <laughs> Someone slit your throat in the warm yeah, or in the yeah, in the no, testing area. Yeah, no, it literally looked like something like that happened. Um, so I don't know how much of an effect that had on me necessarily, but I think it did kind of mix in with everything else and and just cause more problems. Uh, but anyway, um, I had that happen. Um, and then at the meet, uh, we're going to go uh, straight to the meet. Yeah. Um, start, starting with my bench opener my hand basically started to close up, seize up on me, and I was struggling to keep them open. And it was like I felt, like, pain and stiffness just, like, radiating from my hands all the way down to my triceps. It was like my whole upper body um, was just extremely um, painful, um, and it, it was just really bad. And so with my second bench attempt, it started to get a little bit worse, but it was still fine. Obviously, it moved well. Um, and then by the time we got to my third, um, I couldn't produce any force with my triceps um, just because I was cramping so much. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, it was only two kilos heavier, but but I got stapled with it. Yeah. Um, we, we noticed that in the crowd, my friend uh, Michael and I believe my friend Matt was there and we saw your second attempt. We're like, oh, shit, that was a really good second attempt. Looked great. And that was uh, that was matching a meet. The second attempt matched a meat PR for you, right? Yeah, my, my opener actually, um, it tied my meat PR. And then the second, that was eight, eight kilos over. Okay. Um, I missed. Yeah, so when we saw that, we were like, God, that was a really, it was a smooth, good second attempt. And then your third attempt, it did staple you. And we, we were kind of questioning as well, not necessarily an injury, but we thought maybe it was a technique problem. But usually when you see a good second attempt, the third attempt doesn't staple someone. It either is close to being locked out, they can't really get the lockout, or maybe they jump a command or something. But we were we were kind of questioning as well, like, oh, what happened there? That was kind of strange. And, you know, then I, I go home and then I see what happens with uh, the deadlift. Yeah, yeah, that that was exactly what it was. I mean, like I said, I, I couldn't produce any force, like, right off my chest. So it wasn't going anywhere. Um and then with that, it kind of started to spread down to my lower body. Um, as I got to the warm room, like, I'm sitting back there, like, trying to do everything I can. I'm like, no, this is not about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to just get through deadlifts, and then I'll worry about it after that. Um, that was my mindset at that time. So um, I hit my deadlift opener, which was, it was only 125 kilos, 275 pounds. And as I locked it out, my whole body just... Like, it was like somebody just hit an off switch, and every I fell, and everything was just extremely stiff, cramping up extremely bad. Um, my legs were literally, like, straight. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> I, I've, um, never, I've never heard of that. Like, your whole body kind of seizing up like that. Yeah, it was bad. It was scary, because I've, I've never experienced anything like that either. And, I mean, thankfully, I had a, a few people that were helping me out, trying to get me stressed out and things like that. But, man, like, just laying there for, it, 
it went on for like 10 to 15 minutes of not even being able to move. And that whole time, like it hurt, man. It, I, I had to lay my head on a plate just to cool down because um, I started to heat up just because I was in so much pain. Jesus. What do you, what exactly causes something like that? Is it just something you've dealt with in the floor, either cramping or something? Is that free? So I don't want to like speculate or, or say anything that I don't know enough about to talk about. Um, I have dealt with cramping before, but not never to that degree. Yeah, it was just, and then there was also, it was also going around that it was due to uh, me taking too many trials, which, I mean, could that be it? Possibly, but I, I didn't have any more than I normally have. Um, so it wasn't just that that caused it. It wasn't like the trials that killed me. Um, but it was funny because um, I saw a couple of memes about it. So I thought those were pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, How does it feel, but, man, to go after a meet and then after the meet? You're a meme. That is like my life. <laughs> that is my life. Is after any meme that I do, I become a meme. I'm like, I don't even mean to become a meme today. And I'm a meme now. So it happens. Yeah. It's actually yeah. a good thing. If someone makes a meme about you, it's a good thing. You're important. Yeah, no, it, no it, it's, it's funny to me. It, like, it really is. I, I was laughing. Um, but it's, it's one of those things. I don't want to, like, guess. Because, again, I don't really know enough about that to know exactly what caused it mm -hmm. but i think i mean me personally i think it was just a combination of things this was also the biggest water cut that i've done um i normally before this i walked around around 166 to 167 this time i was closer to like 170 to 171 so uh, i think that was definitely part of it as well uh miss I misjudged the water cut a little bit because I think the scale, like the the comp scale that they were using to let people weigh in, I think it was actually a little bit heavy. Cause... I I thought that my I thought that myself because I was weighing in throughout the week at like eighty one kg, fully clothed, and then on meat day or not meat day, the day before meat, I did fully clothed again. I was like eighty two or eighty three on the dot. And I'm like, all right, that's a little bit off. And then in the right one, the same day weigh-ins, I weighed in at 80 on the dot. They're like, oh, okay. So it just dropped to the normal weight again. So I think you were right on that. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I I think that morning, the morning that I competed um, on the scale that we had at, at our Airbnb, I was like 165 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I spit um, a little bit, uh, you know, just to get the rest of that off. And then I ended up weighing super light, like 73.4. Mm -hmm. So like 161.8 or something like that. So I was like, I, yeah, don't, I didn't spit that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's light. And I think yeah. studies have, I think uh, you, you told me, uh, studies have shown like if, you get exactly to the weight that you're competing at. Studies are showing like that will affect your performance positively, like more than anything. Like people coming in under, that's usually the sign that the performance won't be there, especially if you're going through a weight cut. Yeah, but I mean, thank thankfully, I still 
performed well, like through uh, squats and through mm-hmm. my first and, and second bench. But man, like the deadlift, that was the one lift that I was the most excited about going into this one because it's been my weakest lift for so long, mm-hmm. and I knew that I was gonna be able to pull something really nice. Yeah. Uh, this time around, so man, that that was that was tough. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, it took a lot of wind out of other people's sails because the 74 weight class right now is probably getting to be the most hyped for good reason. Really, really good lifters are in it. For, actually, 1 through 10, I believe, are very good. You, Taylor, Ricky, and Austin are excellent lifters, but there's like people in that 5 and 6 position who are excellent as well. So people are tuning into that. And I think the feeling around the crowd was they want to see the king be dethroned. They want to see Atwood be dethroned. And I think that holds true for everyone who has dominated a weight class. And it looked like you were going to be the guy. And then when we got light of the injury, everyone was kind of bummed. Because one, you never want to see a powerlifter get hurt. And two, especially when they're getting, uh, when they're experiencing one of the better meets um, of the day. It's it's funny, man, because the whole meet, like like starting with squats, um, so many people were coming up to me, man. This is it. This is your day. It's gonna happen. Uh-huh. Uh, the whole crowd is is rooting for you, and and just like so many things. And I told every single one of them, I just have to finish the meet first. Yeah. Do um, Do you when yeah someone comes up to you and say that during a meet, do you? Do you like that? Do you like when someone does um, that? Honestly, not really. Uh, just because you know we're in we're in the meet, we have to finish the meet first. Mm-hmm. Like it's not 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 that I don't want to like claim. Okay, yeah, I, I want to win. Obviously, I do want to show up and win. But I mean, you gotta you you have to like do it first mm-hmm. before you um, before you claim it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, I I feel I just I'm just trying to speak on you know my standpoint as well. And then from me just talking to you a few times, you seem to be very humble and pretty. You keep to yourself a lot. So the same thing with me when people like are constantly in my ear about certain things, like oh you're gonna pull this today, you're gonna pull that today. I just I hate I I really hate it. Like, dude, let me pull something, like, by myself, please. Yeah. Like, let me let me do it and let me worry about myself. Don't, you know, put some thoughts into my head. And and uh, I like the crowd is one thing, but people telling you backstage, that's a whole other thing where I would probably, like, push it away. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's, it doesn't necessarily, you know, bother me. It's not, like, a big deal or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it is just kind of like, you know... Um, I'm, I'm just trying to get through the meat first. I'm, I'm just trying to, like, make sure that I continue to execute, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, I obviously I did that with uh, squats and then with my first and second bench. But, you know, that ironically, I, I couldn't finish the meat like I was saying. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we can talk about, like, what could have happened, what would have happened, whatever, but at the end of the day, I didn't win that one, mm-hmm. so it's it's easy to talk about hypotheticals all day. But I mean, I I didn't win. I I, I placed last. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, if you want to go by total. Yeah. You kind um, of broke up. Yeah, and it was unfortunate to see. Uh, but 
I hate to like have this like the first thirty minutes of this being negative, but the the shitty things didn't really stop. Jasmine Penn, one of the better lifters that I witnessed on that day, fighting for Chloe Dublin. Yeah, Chloe Dublin fighting for gold position with Chloe Dublin. Last deadlift. Walk us through that too, because that's a whole nother frustrating thing that you have to deal with. Man, so this this whole thing, it uh, first and foremost, I mean, the, I have the utmost respect for uh, not just Chloe but everybody else. So nothing is to disrespect her or anyone else. But I knew going into this one that Jasmine had it like fairly, fairly easily, just just based off of her squats alone. Um, because the plan for Jasmine was the, the plan was for her to squat around 195 kilos, which would have been uh, 10 kilos over what she ended with. Um, and so they they called her opener on deck. So we had to play her second and third conservative, obviously. Um, but I mean, I think that's definitely debatable with all the other questionable calls that yeah. that were added. Um, I think her opener looked just like her second and her third. Um, but that's not to, up to me. That's up to the judges. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, calls were pretty fair going through that third deadlift. It was literally for the gold medal. And that was, I mean, I don't even know like what words to give it. It's, it's definitely the most controversial call that I've seen. Uh, personally ever mm-hmm. um, I don't know a single person that looked at that and thought that that was the right call other than those judges and the jury um, I went to the jury and, and they obviously didn't overturn it so I, mean, I don't even know what to say about that it's just yeah, did they, I mean when I saw that that was one probably the drunkest I was at the meet so I was like front row drinking a, <laughs> drinking out of a flask the entire time. Uh, me and Gino were actually drinking out of the flask throughout the meet, and I was I was enjoying myself. I was enjoying watching the competition, and I knew the what was riding on that last deadlift, and I saw it and I thought it was nailed. Three white lights, no question. And I and I'm pretty strict when it comes to judging as well. Like I could see certain things, and I I'm pretty quick to red light things, um, especially with squat and sometimes deadlift. And did she did she get three red lights? What? Uh, I think it was two to one. Two to one. And what did they give you a reasoning on the call? Because I was I so when I saw two red lights, I just got I didn't even look at the numbers. I just got up and just screamed, "That's fucking bullshit!" And then I was and I just sat back down because I don't want to get kicked out of a USAPL meet for you know lifters that I didn't really know. I just was watching it as a fan and it was like the fuck was that that was a perfect deadlift so did they give you a reasoning apparently soft knees and shoulders forward (laughs) shoulders forward yeah so just generic like i like i can't see like the knees are one the shoulders were not forward they were fully extended back and one thing i noticed is you came to the jury they did they even give you like a like a chance to challenge it it seemed like it was rather quick not really. I, I walked up to the jury table. They immediately, like, shut it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so didn't really have much of a chance to challenge it at all. Oh, man. I, yeah, that was – and I, that was after I was talking, like, really well about USAPL judging. 
of you know how fair and consistent we're throughout the entire weekend, how I think they get a bad rap compared to the other federations, and then right when I say that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff happens, and it, and I, I really hate to do this, but I saw other deadlifts in prime time suck things that I'm definitely giving a red light to, even if it goes to a jury, I think they would go give a red light to that as well. But then you see a perfectly executed deadlift and getting red red lighted. I just that that would infuriate me. And I knew, know it infuriates you and Jasmine. Yeah, it was just, I mean, seeing seeing a call like that, regardless of if I know the person or not, it's still, I mean, a, call, a bad call is a bad call, but it but it stings a little bit more um, in this situation, obviously with Jasmine being my girlfriend. Yeah. Um, yeah, very, very similar to me because I, you know, it's just, I knew Jasmine as a lifter, but I wasn't really, like, watching for a particular person. I was watching the whole meet in general. So when I see a great lifter get red-lighted on a big call, I lose it, too. And I was, I'm like, I don't even know the people on the platform, and I'm still getting mad because I don't think anyone, especially on your third deadlift, can be, yeah. like, it's, it's this is a hard yeah, thing to yeah, deal with. Yeah, for, like, for the win, for the open spot. Like, it's not just, you know just your backyard meet mm-hmm. this is a national level third deadlift for an open gold medal yeah like that like that's a pretty big deal yeah i agree and um yeah ho- hopefully jasmine bounces back from that um really would like to see what happens after this meet with actually just both of you because i jasmine made a fan out of me because i thought her lifts were great throughout the entire day um, I'm starting to get more of appreciation for just a wide variety of lifters in the sport after watching Ronat. So, um, hopefully, a, a good bounce back is coming. Yeah, um, I think she's she's much better now. I mean, once again, kind of like I mean, this this is even um, worse than my situation because at least with mine, it wasn't due to judging or anything. It's it's kind of kind of sort of on me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, I mean, she had no control over that. So it stung for her um, more, obviously. But I think think she's kind of over it now. She's that she's ready to, you know, just come back and kill the next one. Yeah. And uh, for all the yeah, for all the people saying like you got to kind of deal with the bad calls, I'm like, um, have you ever watched other sports? You've seen baseball players lose their shit on umpires, right? I'm like, this is the exact same situation. But imagine if there's a bad strike three call in game seven of the World Series with the final out of the game. Like, that's what just happened. Uh, First place position, your last deadlift, that is the last out of the game, a shitty pass interference call. Like, New Orleans, the New Orleans Saint fans almost rioted last year. Detroit Lions yeah. fans are almost rioting this year. <laughs> Bad calls fuck up everyone. They piss everyone off. So the fact that she did not go and argue with the judges shows a lot of restraint and constraint uh, with you and her on that. Because I probably but, wouldn't but have you, been. But you know, you know the the thing that sucked about that. She she thought that she actually thought that she got it. Yeah. Like she didn't even like double check. So they took her to get test, drug tested immediately after, and guess who had to go and, and tell her about it? I, I, I had to go up there and let her know. Oh, she, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. 
so she, I mean, she went up there thinking that, like, she got it, and I had to go and tell her. Oh, that's so rough. That... <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I'm afraid to tell my girlfriend that I can't come home from work on time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that we can't go on date a certain night. It's like, hey, you remember the, you know, when I was going to take you out? I'm busy yeah, tonight. I'm that. sorry. Oh shit, that's that's rough. Yeah, so I that, just got anxiety thinking about that. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, man, I, I I spent I spent a good like ten minutes trying to figure out how I was gonna tell her because I mean that that's not easy. Yeah, could, yeah. Again, like if I would have seen red lights on that, I probably would have went to the judges myself and probably would have argued. Might have gotten like you know because USAPL is pretty. They don't like that, so I probably would have been like kicked out of a federation if that happened. Because you know it, it didn't happen. Like bad calls infuriate people. They infuriate professional athletes, and they should infuriate powerlifters, especially in a situation like that. So that's unfortunate in a lot of different ways. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. But all right, now we got through the stuff that you know people wanted to hear. We had to get that like out of the way early. Now, I don't know much about your background, and the Two White Lights listeners don't know as well because this is the first time in the show, so how did you get your start into powerlifting and fitness? Because I've noticed you've been competing for a really long time. Yeah, so I actually started uh, working out like uh, around 12. I just started benching uh, at home in the garage um, with my dad, um, and then I kind of got into football in high school. And I continued to uh, work out through that. Um, I did a, I actually, a lot of people don't know, I actually did a couple of powerlifting meets in high school, but I didn't really, like, care too much about it or take it really seriously at that time. I mostly did them because the coaches wanted me to because I was a pretty strong bencher at that time. I was, like, my, I think my freshman year, I was, like, 105 pounds benching like like 215 or something like that so so they kind of threw me into it <laughs> and I, I didn't really like it at that time um yeah I, in, after... in high school I didn't like lifting I hated it I <laughs> I hated every I like when I was 15 and 16 years old I hated working out yeah I, I actually I, I liked working out um but I didn't really look too deeply into powerlifting at that time. It was more so just like general strength training and kind of like the, the football and track workouts and stuff that they would put us through. Um, but anyway, after that, um, I just remember, I mean, it, it's like 95% of the powerlifting community. Um, I found a video, I found one of Johnny Candido's videos and like, <laughs> I want to say either 2013 or 2014, it was a video of him like squatting 375 for 10. And I just remember seeing that and being like, what? This dude is strong. And because that was crazy to me at that time. And then I kind of started watching more of his stuff, uh, watching him go to world and all that. And that was really interesting to me seeing that, that, like that got me into it a, a lot more than like the high school powerlifting did. So after seeing that, I was like, I know that I for sure want to uh, start competing. I, I put it off for a while 
for whatever reason, but I but I trained for for like that entire time. Um, well, kind of more so like just general strength training, but a lot of it was focused around the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, well, more specifically, uh, squatting and benching because I didn't really deadlift that much. I finally did my first USAPL meet in 2017, which I regret it now. Uh, I tell everybody, like, start as soon as you can. Because, I, like, I followed it for a while, but I was so hesitant for the longest to compete until I felt like I was at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a case for a lot of people that I talk to. They're like, man, I don't know if I'm strong enough yet. I don't know if, like, I'm good. I'm like, dude, you're comparing yourself to... It's like getting in the basketball and comparing yourself to LeBron James. Don't do that. You're comparing yourself to the top guys. Never compare yourself to the top guys. Just do what you want. Put the numbers you need to, you know, you need to put in in order to compete competitively. And then things will work itself from there. It's like, and then at a point, you're not going to even care about being the LeBron James of powerlifting. And, it, and it, it's kind of worse just being in Texas, being around so many strong people. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember um, just looking up some of the numbers and saying, um, you know uh, Blake LeHue? No, sir. Um, he's another uh, really strong 74. Um, I don't think he competes USAPL anymore, but he was he was like the, the number 274 right under Taylor for a while. And he's actually from Texas. And I remember, like, seeing his numbers um, back, like, three or four years ago, which aren't even as crazy as, like, the the number five to ten numbers now. Mm-hmm. But back then, like, they were ridiculous. Like, seeing a 550 squat, I was like, what? Like, like, like that was just so mind-blowing to me at that time, which, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me to think that these numbers were like just so so far out of reach mm-hmm. at that time and now I mean I'm I'm there pretty much opening with 550 yeah so yeah it's I I spoke about the progression of the sport and yeah you did mention Texas I always say like I could be like the 12th best lifter in the nation but somehow the 15th best lifter in Texas like <laughs> like the, like the the amount of great powerlifters that come from there is ridiculous yeah yeah it's i mean every class if you just go through the database um you can go through every weight class and you'll see at least like two or three people from texas in in the top 10 Mm -hmm. yeah i've seen that and the midwest has kind of a push towards weightlifting especially like when you're in high school and middle school um but the, the texas is just a different animal like, I almost want to just live there and see if I can get stronger just, like, within one year just living in Texas. Yeah. No, I, I, I tell people that actually that is, like, a big part of it. Like, when you're around a bunch of strong people and you consistently are able to train, like, with a with a good group of people that all of y'all just want to get stronger, like, it helps a lot. Yeah. I agree with that and i think if i could take a tally or make like a poll or try to come up with some statistical evidence to show like how many people come on two white lights and say that candido is a reason why they were pushed into powerlifting <laughs> it's it's so astronomical like 
I had Ricky on the show. He said the same thing. I had so many people talk about, like, I and Noriega said the same thing. It's like when I saw Candido post videos, when I saw Lane Norton post videos, that guy has got more barbells in the people's hands than I think, like, Ray Williams has. Yeah, no, no, straight, straight up. Because he, I mean, he's been at it for a while. Um, he, he posted something uh right before a match, um, like a few days before he competed, basically saying like he's like the the one person in primetime that's left that competed in like twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. And like his his total from back then that got him to worlds wouldn't even crack like top fifteen now. Yeah. Well, and or, or, or top ten or whatever. I mean, the, the the again the progression of the sport has been crazy. Cause I started competing three years ago. My first competition was three years ago, and a six hundred pound deadlift for one eighty one was really good. Like, oh, you're a really good deadlifter. You know, you're like top twenty. Now, if you're deadlifting six hundred and one eighty one, you're decent, but you're not like one of the better deadlifters in the world. Same thing with a like a five hundred pound squat. Like, 500-pound squat, really, it's like, if you're not squatting 500 or even opening with 500, you're not going to be in the top 20, possibly 30. It's, the move, the sport is moving so fast, and it's kind of hard keeping up with it at this point. Yeah, I mean, the the 74s are headed that way, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, um... Well, they're they're pulling 700 now. (laughs) Like, we have guys in the 74s who are now pulling 7s. Yeah, you have a few that that are right there at, at seven, and then you have several others that are in that like six fifty range. So mm-hmm. now, I mean, it, it, in the seventy fours, if you're not squatting low to mid sixes, benching low to mid fours, and pulling um, high sixes to seven, then you're not competitive. Yeah, and yeah, the difference between I mean, just even if you look at top twenty through one, like top. That's a lot of lifters. Twenty lifters through one. That is yeah. that that those numbers are insane. And and I and I've said like every guy that I'm looking at seventy fours now, I'm like, all right, two or three years you're gonna be my competition because they're gonna be up at eighty three, possibly putting up nineteen hundred pound totals and <laughs> putting up a nineteen hundred pound total and placing like fourth. Oh, That's what I think is gonna happen. I think it's eventually gonna happen. Where eighteen hundred pound because I said, um, like two years ago, I'm like, you know, 1600 pound total will put me into that five range, that top five range at USAPL Raw Nats. Now I'm saying 1700. In a year, I'm going to be probably saying 1750 or 1800 because now it's like, I I said 1700 will put me into contention, and I don't think 1700 would have uh, put me in the top three if I would have got that. So I. Yeah, it's, it's wild, man. What 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 did what did you place in that? Twelfth. And and your and what was your total? Sixteen thirty or sixteen twenty seven or something. Yeah, yeah, that that's wild. Like even I'm sure even just like four four years ago, three or four years ago, that probably would have gotten you like top five. And well, last actually, if you want to even go more recent, if I would have took my best total last year at AWPC Worlds. I think I would have ranked like six in nationals with a sixteen twenty total. So I did better. I progressed and dropped six spots. That's <laughs> that's how the sport is moving. And then my deadlift was by far like seven twenty two. Me and UU were like the only one eighty ones and one eighty threes to pull that. Now we're still pretty high, 
but Russ, Sean, Marcus, all these guys are catching up to a that deadlift where it's it's still a good deadlift, but the it, it's getting more competitive just on all three lifts. So did better, but still dropped six places in at nationals. <laughs> so or in this national rankings, which it, it it is good, and I do like to see that because it's going to continuously help me get stronger and that kind of stuff. But it's 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 gonna be foolish to think that it's not gonna get harder from here on out because and that's what that's a funny thing everyone thinks that okay i I told sixteen hundred this year next year I'm gonna do sixteen fifty and now get third at nationals like whoa whoa do you think like those other guys aren't training? do you think those other yeah. guys aren't getting better <laughs> it's like that's what yeah, everyone's yeah, telling like, me yeah, like they're yeah, everyone was telling like me that. Show up and put the exact exact same numbers up every year. Yeah, like they're not gonna add to their total too. Yeah, because that's what everyone was telling me. They're like, "Dude, you could have got six. Like next year, you could." I'm like, "Dude, you realize that Russ is still gonna train, right? You know that Jamar is gonna get better, right? You know that Marcus is gonna get better. You know all these guys you're talking about are gonna get better the same way I'm gonna get better. It's like yeah. I gotta surpass them somehow with like them still training at their hardest, and same applies for you and all the other seventy fours. Like, just because you total something great at a meet doesn't mean this guy, because this guy is not gonna still progress his total because the work ethic with the top ten guys, and I would say even below that top twenty, is insane. And you don't get that level in the sport without having a almost unhealthy work ethic. Yeah, most definitely. It it I mean we a lot of times of course it's a hobby for most of us mm-hmm. but you have to um dedicate a certain amount of of time, of of effort to it. Like it, it, it at a certain point to be able to compete at a certain level, it has to be a little bit more than just a hobby. And I I I had a little rant on my story, um like I think around like May or June of last year, um, where I hear a lot of people that say, "Oh, I don't care that much about it." Then why are you spending, you know, fifteen hours a week and thousands of dollars on, on something that you don't really care about? Yeah. Or or, or or do you just not want to admit that you care a little bit more than you think you do? I I love that you said that because. I, we have had a lot of people on the show say the same thing, a lot of guests, and myself. When people say that, it is, in my opinion, like 95% of the time a cop-out of why they're not at the level that they want to be. They start exactly. using excuses that they're not competitive, that they don't like competing, all it is about their own progress. And my response to that is, why the fuck are you in competitive powerlifting if you're not competitive? Don't compete. Exactly. Don't compete. Exactly. Stay in the gym. If you love lifting so much, stay in the gym, hit your own numbers, hit your own one rep maxes, and don't go on a platform. Truthfully, yeah. they are competitive and don't want to admit it. Because yeah. if they admit that they're competitive and notice that they're like 15th or not where they want to be, then they think that is a bad thing. And it's not. Being competitive is good. Yeah, it is, for sure. And yeah. that, and that's exactly like the point that I made with that. Like, it, if it isn't something that you care about, 
if, if you don't take it seriously, then, I mean, you can still train and all that, but you don't have to spend money on meets. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fly out to Chicago and, and Florida and all these other places. You, you don't have to do any of that. You can, you can just train at a gym um, and just spend that $30 a month or whatever, and you can just stick with that. But if you are going to be competing and spending your time and money and effort, then don't pretend like you don't care mm-hmm. because you, you you obviously do. Otherwise, you wouldn't be dedicating um, a, a, a decent little chunk of, of your life to this. Yeah, and I it, it, like very similar to me. Start off as a hobby, but you know, I I think a lot of us have that competitive edge. We either played sports in high school, middle school, or even the college level. Um, some actually in the professional level. And there's a competitive drive there, and the sport is is very similar. You, the competitiveness still stays, and this is a sport where we can kind of exercise that competitiveness. And then once you start getting into like that top ten, uh, top twenty position, then you become more competitive. That's yeah, and that like I and I which you have to be at that point. Yeah, and I, I've ranted about that before where. The only time I was really, really happy after a meet where I was ecstatic were my first two or three meets because I didn't know the outside world. I didn't know. Yeah. I was just competing in with you know my federation and the people around me. Now I know the outside world, and I haven't been happy or satisfied after a meet where you know it's like I'm at 100% gratification. Now, I was very happy that I completed uh, USAPL Raw Nats, um, had a decent meet, lifetime PR, but... You know, that's quickly washed away when you're thinking, all right, you know, I'm 12th. Let's get back in the gym. Let's go Monday. And let's try to work on improving that ranking, which is a, it, it's a good thing. Don't be discouraged by this. A lot of people are. They're like, oh, I don't want it to become that. It's like, no, it's fine. You're still happy. Like, I had a blast yeah. at Nationals. That was actually one of the most fun I've ever had in my life, just hanging out with certain people, you know, shooting the shit with powerlifters, getting some drinks with them. It was fun. It was a really good time, but... You know, it's okay if your hobby transitions into a passion. And yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly normal to care a little bit more about it than just, oh, it's just, you know, a weekend thing. I don't really care too much. If you're, if you're looking to take something to a certain level and take it a little bit more seriously, then, I mean, you, you have to give a little bit more to it. That Like, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And some some people, I guess some people don't want to admit that 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 it that it has to be taken a little bit more seriously than that. But I mean, it's it's okay. Like we, um, if you ask in every single weight class, if you ask like the top ten how whether or not they take the sport seriously, their the answer is going to be, of course they do, mm-hmm. because they have to, because at a certain point, I mean, you you can't just to be number one or to even be top five or ten in, in any weight class, you can't just be, like, passive about it. it and it doesn't just apply to powerlifting. It applies to anything else. Yeah. If, if, you're, if your hobby is, is, is cup stacking, then, then to be the number one or to be the top ten cup stacker in the world, you can't just passively do it. You have to take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. I agree 100% on that. And it's... I, three years ago, I probably went in that same way, like saying, oh, it's a hobby. I enjoy doing it. But now, like, and I never thought I'd be at this point, like 
having a podcast on powerlifting, going to Raw Nationals, trying to, you know, put up, you know, numbers that I didn't think were possible three years ago. That that's a good thing. The fact that I was a hobby now it's this. I'm much more happier at this point than I was three years ago because I have something that I'm passionate about, extremely passionate about. Like now I just enjoy talking to other lifters. Now I try to just find different way, like watch different events. I never thought I'd be a spectator of the sport. Now I'm a spectator of the sport. Never thought that would ever happen because I'm a massive sports fan. So I like watching all sports. And I never thought powerlifting would be the other sport that I watched, but Raw Nationals was a blast. I had a great time just watching. Yeah, it, it, it's fun. I mean, when, once you, like, embrace it, you know, embrace that it's a little bit more than just a little weekend pastime, it, it actually makes things more fun because you know that everybody else has the same interests as you. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have things like Raw Nationals. If you, I don't know if you've been to the Arnold or not. I but, have never competed. Yeah, so I mean that that just adds to to you know the fun of everything. You know, every, everybody being there for the weekend or whatever, just getting away from everything else and just you know just just having fun. Yeah, I agree. So, so, so are are you planning on doing Arnold? I am. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know. Like, I I have to register really quick for that. Apparently. Like, yeah, the, the rosters fill super quick, and I'm really nervous about that because I'm at work, like, 90% of my day. Like, during the day, I'm at work, and I can't go on my phone at work. So, I'm a, I'm a teacher, so it's not good to have your phone out if you're teaching. So, I might just tell... You might you might have to go and, and, and take a bathroom break. I'm not allowed to take bathroom breaks, either. Like, I can't leave the kids oh. unoccupied. That's, like, the new rule. So, like, I don't... I piss once a day. And then I go on my phone, like, during my lunch break. But, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get – because that sucks that it's going to be dictated on, like, me getting on my phone super quick. I might just t- tell the kids to fuck off. And <laughs> I was like, hey, guys, I'm like, fuck off for a second. I'm going to register for the Arnold. Hey, you guys will understand gotta, when you're in high school. Long, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah, man, it's, it, it's crazy. It's um, basically – if you don't register within, like, three minutes, you're not getting in. Yeah. So I'm going to get autofill on my phone, like, all that kind of stuff. Just try to get in. Um, yeah, I, I I, am planning on doing that meet. I only want to do, like, one to three meets a year. So, And, and I said before on a podcast that I only want to do, like, one or two USAPL meets. I, I caught the bug and definitely want to do Raw Nats next year. Yeah, it's – I mean – a lot of people, a lot of people outside of the federation have a lot to say about it, and I mean, a lot of people in the federation have a lot to say about it too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's if you're competing, tested, then it's the best place for you to compete. Like, period. And I would, and I've made the argument uh, prior that you know those big meets like the current U.S. Open, um, the Tribute, Big Dogs. Boss of Bosses, the list goes on um, of, like, really great money meets uh, with USPA and other federations. The The amount of competition for the wide variety of lifters still doesn't, I think, come close to USAPL Raw Nats or IPF World. No, for sure. And I, no. and it, it, I know, like, there's money involved. There's great lifters, don't get me wrong. But, you know, 5 to 10 Wilks at Raw Nats? isn't you know it's it's again good for like 10th or 12th 
yeah. at the at those other meets, like that that'll actually get you further. And I as much shit as talk about USAPL and you know Raw Nationals and all that kind of stuff, I still don't think that the current because the current US Open, in my opinion, is a shit show of a meet. They have a meet commissioner running it, who, in my opinion, is a fucking idiot and really can't like it. It's so much based on ego and all that kind of stuff, where it's not that awesome of a meet just in general. And like you, like Raw Nats organized, great, kind of has that professional sports feel to it. There's no money involved, but you know, when you look at the meet itself, when you look at the four big screens, when you look at the warm up room, when you look at the weigh ins, when you look at all the stuff they give for us. There's a reason why it's not a money meet because that's where our money's actually going. It's going to those, you know, spots. Now I'm not saying there's no possibility for it to be a money meet, but that's what's happening, and I'm actually cool with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was a little bit that there were some questions going around as far as where the money, where exactly the money does go, mm-hmm. uh, because they they do make quite a bit, especially. Like you, I know you saw all the controversy with all the like coach fees and, mm-hmm. and all these other fees and things like that. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I, I think those things are definitely questionable, but you could see like in the quality of the meet this year that they did like try um a little bit harder to you know make make put our money into the meet. You there that that the meat quality was, was really good this year. Yeah, even though we aren't getting cash prizes, which yeah. would be nice. Well, and I think it's coming, you know, because the SBD Invitational was released today. Uh, as we're recording this, by the time it's released, um, it'll be. I think the females will be announced by then. But there's, I, I think there's potential for USAPL and IPF to give some money out. But people have always just made that thing like, oh, people are going to jump out of the USAPL. I'm like, oh, well, at a point, there's a point where you're going to jump out of the USAPL, and I think that's a good idea for a lot of people. But I'm just, at this point, you could talk about how amazing USPA meets are. You could talk about how amazing all these other federation meets are. But when I looked around Raw Nationals and I looked at the prime time and I looked just all the, just the lifters interacting in one place, I would have to attend those other meets that I just described. But that one was incredible. And the amount of competition there is unbelievable. And it's only going to get better for those drug testing meets. Yeah, for sure. And then that's the thing about the competition is, I mean, that that's why I'm here. This is, I'm not going to find this same level of competition anywhere else. Like, like no offense to anybody that competes in the USPA or whatever, but I could go to USPA right now and immediately be like the number one or number two untested lifter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... There, there's obviously a, a, a level, a, a different level of competition there. When, when you're talking untested, a drug tested lifter coming and becoming the top untested lifter. Yeah, I. So. And I think a lot because a lot of the IPF and USAPL guys will still break the top rankings overall. Um, and then you know the 83 weight class is different from the 81, but like. You know, there's there's just a lot of variables that are in play, but yeah, I think the competition is relatively similar, depending on the weight class. But I think with the lightweight guys, USAPL is that federation where yeah. light light to middleweight because 181 has got John Hack, and John Hack is the greatest of all time. Um, 
Yeah, at 181, yeah. he's a fucking stud. He's a beast. I love him. But um, but then the other guys who are like in those rankings are USAPL and IPF guys. Of course, there's a lot of USPA guys in there too. But yeah, and like you said, like my deadlift, if I bought my deadlift at USPA would probably break their national and world records, while my deadlift won't break Yangsu's run Yangsu's deadlift record set at 83. It's like he and he's doing it on a stiff bar. Yeah. Like, so, all, like, a lot of these records are set on stiff bars, not even deadlift bars. So, this guy, if he had a deadlift bar, he could probably do 770 if he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right. Now, got to ask you this. We did Raw Nationals. You asked me about uh, the Arnold. What's next for you? As far as um, meets, competitions, um, or meets, numbers, um, anything that you have in planned in the horizon? So I am planning to do the Arnold, um, and I'm also planning to break that 800 kg total at the Arnold. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's on the way, um, and I'm 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 beating I'm beating Taylor to it. Taylor, if you're listening, I'm I'm gonna beat you to that 800 kg total. I had Ricky on the um, show, and he said the same exact thing. So you gotta be. So you gotta tell Ricky, and then if I interview Austin again, you gotta tell Austin oh, that too. Okay, to... okay. Well, Taylor, Ricky, Austin, Kevin, Zach, all of y'all. I'm, 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 I'm beating all of you to the 800 kg total in March. Um, and then after that, I'm probably not gonna compete again until Raw Nets. Um, so I just want a nice long off season. Um, want to be able to, you know, have a little bit more downtime since I've been pretty much been competing back to back to back um, yeah. for a while now. So uh, just focusing on coming back uh, for Raw Nets and totaling something disgusting there. Yeah. And is it going to – so how long do you think you're going to stay at the 74 uh, weight class? Because um, right now it's – you know, I think a lot of people within one or two years are going to start transitioning out of that weight class to 83 just based on just regular – changes in your body yeah so i think now i actually i have quite a bit of time left in the 74s like i I could still stay here for at least another two or three years and be fine um it's funny because a a lot of people well i won't say a lot of people but there were a few people that commented after the whole situation just move up to 83 as if it's just like yeah, you know, I, like it's it's not as simple. Okay, just move up. <laughs> yeah, and I we discussed this with Ricky as well because he's a big dude. I did not know how big Ricky was. Um, he's a big guy. Like I didn't know how tall he was, and I didn't know how muscular he was. Um, so when I saw him in person, I was like, God damn, this guy's like walking around the same weight as me. Um, granted, I'm very small for my weight class, but he's you know big. And same yeah. discussion. Like it's like we'll move up to 83. Like, all right, well, right now you have an opportunity to be the world champion, national champion, and break records. The triple crown of powerlifting. Like, that's the triple crown, in my opinion. If you're able to break great records, put up huge numbers, win an IPF world championship, and a national championship. That is the triple crown. And when you have the opportunity to do that, do it. Go for it. People make weight cuts just so they're competitive in a weight class. We're talking about a illustrious accolade in my opinion IPF world championship being the best in the world is one of the highest if not the highest you can get in uh, powerlifting 
and same thing with all-time world records. We're, we're you, you, Ricky, uh, Taylor has done it. Austin are close to that. So yes, it's okay to stay in that weight class unless you're you know almost like forced out of it or you've accomplished what you need to accomplish. Now if Atwood jumps to eighty-three, makes sense. He's he's been there, done that, has that kind of trifecta of powerlifting accolades. If he does it at eighty-three. It's like it's very similar to a boxer going up weight classes, uh, mixed martial arts going up weight classes to get another challenge. I think Atwood makes sense, but I think for you guys, especially competing with Atwood, stay in that 74 weight class for as long as possible and then make the jump when you've accomplished what you need to accomplish. Uh, most definitely. And it, it would be one thing if I was like super heavy, like 175 or 180, whatever. Um, but I'm not even the heaviest guy in our weight class. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 relatively lean, um, but I'm not like super heavy. I'm only I'm like 170, so a seven pound water cut. It's nothing crazy. I mean, it, it's it's not a small amount, but I mean, you talk to Ricky, so you know what he does. Yeah, <laughs> and a very and a very scientific and calculated approach to that. And you know what the interesting dichotomy is between. You know, you saying you don't want to go up to 83 is people tell me to cut to 74 and I'm 177. I'm like, wait, so you guys, you, you want guys who are 174 to move up to 83, but then you want to move the guy who's 177 to move down to 74. Like, do you guys not see the, like, yeah. the contradiction in that? Yeah, it's that, like, that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's like, well, your weight's too small for 83. I'm like, well, I know that, but I'm not going to cut down to 74. That's, I'll be just way too big then. It's like, you got to hit, you got to hit a sweet spot. You're in a sweet spot for 74, and I'm kind of in a sweet spot for 83. Like, don't tell people to start cutting, because then if I come in overweight and I have the shittiest performance, like, well, go to 83. Like, well, I was doing that for a long time. You guys all just forced me to go to 74. Yeah, what, what, what do you want from me? <laughs> But and I and I feel like the same for you. It's like, well, you're 175, go to 83. Like, well, you tell all the other guys who aren't 190 to go to, you know, 74. Like, but it's like I, yeah. I feel like a lot of people. I think a lot of that's like outsider perspective, not exactly like super competitive powerlifters saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with that for sure. People don't understand that the vast majority of people at a certain level are going to be sitting um, heavier than their weight class. Like yeah. nobody other than Austin Perkins um, sits, you know, at their, at or under their weight class. Well, and, and my girlfriend Jasmine is actually light too. Mm -hmm. um, but the vast majority of people at a certain level, you're going to be doing some type of water cutting. Yeah. Some type of food volume manipulation. You're gonna be doing something. Yeah. You're not gonna be. You're not gonna just walk in uh, with a pizza in your hand on the scale. Well, I mean, I mean, people can, but they're just not gonna be within the top, you know, five to ten range. I think most people are cutting. They're doing some weight manipulation, and as long as it's not completely hurting your performance, that's that's pretty much what I have to say to that. All right, so. Um, We've been talking 60 minutes now. We're going to go on to a segment called Word Association. So, again, i got to figure out a better title for that because I hate the title Word Association, but it's a working title, and I'll try to be creative later. But I'm going to give you a word, and you're going to give me the first word that pops to your mind. All okay. right. 
Very first word. USAPL. Elitist. <laughs> okay. IPF. Elitist. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I'm becoming an elitist too. I feel it. I yeah. feel it in my yes. I feel it in my blood. Like whenever someone yeah. talks shit about USAPL or IPF, I want to get in the argument out. And I was that guy two years ago. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. It, it's kind of a meme, but I mean, it's it's not it's not a complete lie. I'm every every time I go to a new gym, I'm looking for an Alico or or a high, or a high power bar. Yeah, <laughs> same thing with me now. And you know what the great thing is? It's actually easier to do that. As opposed yeah. to the squat and deadlift bar, because not a lot of gyms have a squat and deadlift bar, but most gyms have a stiff bar. Yeah, I think I, I, I piss off a lot of people by saying that once, where I'm like, just lift on a fucking stiff bar if you can't find a deadlift bar. Like, you guys will wait 45 minutes for the deadlift bar, but, you know, I'll probably wait 45 minutes for the power bar, too, now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and then I, I had this argument at an APF meet. Um, my second competition, actually, people were talking about the USAPL and how elitist they were. I was kind of confused and like, well, we're lifting the same weights as, you know, them, but they just say it's in a different federation. And I agreed with it until I found out that USAPL uses a stiff bar for all three. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, it's much harder to lift that weight in uh, the USAPL and IPF because that stiff bar is no joke. No, for, for sure. All right. Atwood. Uh, goat. Perkins. Future goat. Show. Enemy. <laughs> I think he would like you saying that too. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll, he'll like it. Yeah, he he'll relish in that. Judging. Questionable. All right, I like that. Questionable. That's always that's always gonna be one. And then wrapping all up, water cuts. Necessary. Necessary. I like that. All right, and one question I wanted to ask you. You're, you keep to yourself a lot, but the 74s, I feel like they, um, they banter a lot. They trash talk a lot. How do you feel when that kind of goes on? Do you feel like you need to be a part of it? Do you try to stay away from all that kind of stuff? Because I think it's harmless, like whatever they say, but it's kind of something they're trying to market now. Yeah, no, it's, it's solely harmless and it's funny that some people actually take it seriously but outside of all that i mean we're all friends like we all like talk back and forth like none of us actually hate each other yeah it's like it, it, it's like if you ever watch if you ever grew up watching wwe smackdown or raw or whatever it's like that i mean they go on there the rock uh talking trash to whoever but they're all friends outside of it it's yeah. not real yeah, I, I kind of, because I saw all the things like, oh, they're trash-talking each other, and I was looking like, eh, that sounds a lot more like, more like banter. Sounds like yeah. they're all friends, but I noticed that you're more the quiet one who's not really throwing it out there, but then, like, those one- or two-word responses sometimes are better than, like, the, the entire trash-talking thing. So, um, always yeah, had yeah. to, wanted to ask you that, because you're in the mix of it, and I think, in my opinion, if I'm going to put on my, like, analysis hat right now, think you're in that driver's seat to overtake Atwood. I think Perkins is, quote-unquote, the future, even though I don't agree with giving yourself a nickname. We'll talk about that later. you gotta, you got to earn the nickname. Someone's got to call you that. If you give yourself a nickname, yeah. yeah it's like kind of forced. Yeah, it's like, a little, little forced. Like, you yeah, got, someone but, else but has got to yeah, call you that. But, yeah, the, um, 
with me being the quiet one, it's that's just kind of how I am. It, it's not that I don't like the trash talking. I, I actually enjoy it a lot, but I'm not gonna like try and force like this persona that I'm not like I'm, I'm I've never been like a huge trash talker. I try to like I try to like give my little word here and there in it, but I never like want to like force myself to like be this character if that makes sense yeah absolutely and i i agree with that force you know trash talk and i don't know if you listened to the interview i had with gage i was critical of king of the lifts trying to do that like trying to force it and when it's forced i'm like yeah just just you know let let them let them be let them be talk about lifting um if they want to trash talk they're going to trash talk themselves and and for all like all four of the big 74s i'm like feel like you're the most quiet and try to like kind of stay away from that trash talk yeah yeah i mean like like i said i I do definitely enjoy it like we do we go back and forth a little bit here and there but i mean somebody somebody has to be the loud one somebody has to be the quiet one Mm -hmm. i happen to be the quiet one yeah well it was excellent talking to you man um i'm rooting for you big fan of your lifts and i hope to see you at the arnold i appreciate you man and uh, and i'm sure we definitely will um i'll be there that whole weekend so we might be doing the same meet we might not but but even if we aren't i'm i'm sure we'll definitely see each other hell yeah man all right so thank you for coming on and of course the best hair in the 74s michael c And possibly going to be the best lifter in 74s one day, Michael C. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. And now, and once again, thank you for Michael C. for coming on the show. We will have him on again at some point in the near future. And that is going to do it for Two White Lights. Be on the lookout for episodes to be structured like this. We might just do an interview where we talk about things with a certain guest. And there's going to be multiple episodes per week on wednesday we're gonna have ricky co on the show really good interview with him and then friday we could possibly have another interview but be on the lookout for maybe three two to three episodes a week and one of those episodes being very similar to the two white lights topic that we used to do where it's just either me or a special guest or a guest co-host comes in and we're going to talk about it so yep That's going to do it for Two White Lights. See you guys on Wednesday with Ricky the Villain Show. Peace.